Peter watched her disappear down a pine-framed path, rolling with a limp so deep that it looked painful. Then he crawled across the floor and stuffed his belongings back into his pack. He pulled himself up by the, up to the workbench. The effort made him dizzy, and he tried to white-knuckle the wood until his head cleared. His foot throbbed fiercely when he was upright, and by testing it slightly, he knew he wasn't going to be able to walk on it. Vola would bind it, though. He'd be able to walk on it then. He had to. He hoisted himself onto the bench to wait. He hadn't been able to see much of the barn the night before, even with the flashlight. Now he took it in. The floor was swept bare with bags of seed and fertilizer stacked neatly by the door. The place smelled of clean hay and wood, and not of animals, although he could hear chickens nearby. The workbench took up a whole gavel wall of the barn. It was lined with small tools and pieces of wood. Opposite, dark against the bright rectangle of the doorway beside it, draped burlap covered a bunch of things mounted on the wall. Another convulsion of shiver shook him, this time not from cold. The covered mounds were shaped like wooden heads. Any number of perfectly harmless things could be hanging on a barn wall, but what they really looked like were human heads. His throat went dry and his heart heart began to kick hard. He'd been stupid and careless. Probably the crazy woman was going to let him go. Why wouldn't he let him go? But maybe she wasn't. He found the knife she'd left and wrapped his palm around its smooth grip. Vola had the upper hand in whatever was going to happen between them, but that didn't mean he couldn't defend himself. He slid the blade into his pocket just as she appeared into the doorway. Drink this. She handed Peter a mug and set a bowl beside him. Peter sniffed at the mug. Cider. There's a measure of willow bark in it, so drink it all. Willow bark? Aspirin in the wild. Peter put the mug down. He wasn't going to drink a crazy woman's brew. Suit yourself. Vola took up the bowl, began stirring the green paste inside with her finger. What's that? Poultice with arnica for the bruising and comfy for the broken bone. She gestured for him to prop his foot on the bench. The poultice felt cool and soothing as she eased it over the hot, tight skin. She untied a bandana from her overall strap and wrapped it around his foot, binding it with a second scarf so that it felt secure. Then she straightened up, whipping her hands on her overalls. How tall are you? Five foot three, why? Vola didn't answer. She rummaged through a stack of lumber, brought several long, narrow pieces over to a pair of sawhorses and began sawing them into paired lengths. The cut wood smelled fresh and clean. As she nailed short boards across the tops of two longer ones, Peter understood. Crutches. She was making him a pair of crutches. The knife he'd stolen grew heavier across his thigh. In a few minutes, Vola had angle, had angle braced the top boards and screwed on hand rests. She measured the crutches against him, then sawed an inch off the bottom of each. Then she rolled out an old tire from the corner of the barn. She went to her workbench. She scanned its length. Peter's cheeks burned as she turned to him. Did you take my knife? Her voice had turned dangerous, like something that could burst into flame and peel the roof off the barn.
Peter felt dizzy and his heart began to thud again. He pulled the knife out and handed it to her. Why? Peter swallowed hard. His words were gone. Why? Because, okay, because I was afraid you might kill me. Kill you? She eyed him hard. Eyed him hard. What? Because I live out in the woods that makes me a murderer? Peter raised his shoulder toward the wall of bladed tools. My tools? I have 22 acres of trees to care for, and I'm a wood carver. You thought they were weapons? Peter looked away, ashamed. Look at me, boy. He turned away. Maybe you are not wrong, she said, locking his gaze. I'm sorry, I'm gonna go back. He turned back. Maybe you're not wrong, she said, locking his gaze. Maybe you saw something. Maybe I am. She raised her hands slowly, pinched her fingers together in front of Peter's face, then suddenly flicked them open. Boom. Dangerous like that. No warning. Peter flinched. No, I'm sorry. I was wrong. Vola shot a palm at him and spun away. She cut four strips of rubber from the tire, then wrapped them around the crutch tops and grips and secured them with twine in silence. She held the crutches out. Peter placed one under each arm and eased himself to the floor. It was an incredible comfort to be upright and balanced with his injured foot safely tucked up. Take your weight on your palms. Lift yourself. Don't hang. Plant the crutches, then swing through. Peter began to thank her, but Vola cut him off again. At the end of my road is the highway. Head left, and in a quarter of a mile, you'll come to a gas station. You figure it out from there. She helped him onto into his backpack and then turned away, picked up a block of wood and began to shave off slices as if he were no longer in the barn. Peter tried to step toward the door. He wobbled a little, but not much. That was a hop, Volda said without looking up. I said, swing through. Now, get out of here. For a moment, Peter didn't move. He didn't know where he was headed only that it sure wasn't back to his grandfather's. Vola turned and leaned toward him, pinched her fingers together again, and shot them out at him again. Go, while you're still safe. Chapter 9, Pax Approaching the meadow from the forest above, Grace stopped suddenly, nose in the air. Again, he lifted his muzzle to test the scent more carefully, stronger. Pax, already hesitant, tensed. Gray hurried to the edge of the trees. A loner is challenging me. He wants this territory, but his display is for the young vixen's benefit. She will choose a mate this winter. Pax followed and took in the scent below him. Four foxes dotted the meadow. Bristle and Runt stood together, their black-tipped ears pricked forward, warily toward the other two, who faced each other on a ledge of rock. Halfway down, one of these was a vixen, darker than bristle and big belly with kits. The other was a large male with rough, tawny fur. His hackles were up and his left ear was split. Gray barked to announce his presence. The challenger spun off the ledge, an arc of blood springing from his ear and bolted down the meadow. Gray picked his way down the hillside, packs following. As Gray passed bristle and runt, his very presence seemed to calm them, as if he were an unseen hand stroking their backs. As soon as he passed, 
Runt danced his excitement at seeing Pax, but Bristle curled a lip and hissed. Pax hurried after Gray. When Gray climbed to the ledge beside his mate, Pax dropped to its base and sat respectfully. Gray's mate greeted him with affection. Then she shared news. The wind this morning was from the west. It brought the scent of fire. We must move soon. She looked out at Pax. The outsider smells of humans. Bristle and Runt edged closer, ears cocked toward Gray's response. He is returning to the humans he lived with in the south. I will travel with him to search for a suitable place to move, and he and I will rest, then leave tonight. Behind him, Bristle growled again, and Pax felt the urge to run. His boy, he wanted only to find his boy, but instinct told him that he needed rest and food first. He signaled his agreement, and then Gray and his mate glided silently into the green meadow. Runt bounded over and tumbled into Pax. He dropped the toy soldier from his chin, invited Pax to play. Bristle jumped between them and swatted the toy away. Humans, remember the danger. Grunt retrieved the toy and displayed it between his teeth, defiant. Pax sensed that Runt was now in more trouble than before and that he was the cause. He'd felt that way often with his boy and the father, and one of his strategies had been to disappear if that would protect his boy from the man's anger. He backed away, but Bristle was not satisfied. Stay away from the human stinker, she warned her brother. Remember the danger. Pax took a step closer. My humans are not dangerous. Pax, I'm sorry, Runt seemed alarmed by this, as if Pax had issued a challenge. He darted uphill toward his den entrance, but his sister was quicker. She blocked him, and when he tried to slink away in another direction, she restrained him with a heavy paw until he still in he stilled in defeat. All humans are dangerous. Pax's fur ruffled in a shiver as the scent bristle conjured then. Wind, cold and howling, and heavy with the threat of snow. Pax recognized that wind. The story she was about to relate would end with blood on the snow and cold steel jaws. Bristle bared her fangs at Pax and then began. <laughs>